This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, real quick before we get started on the show, I'm just going to talk about Treeline Academy. You've heard me say it. I can't even tell you how many times. Um, Mark Livesey is treelineacademy.net. That's treelineacademy.net. Sign up. Use the promo code PC2020. Save yourself 20 bucks. Can't say it enough. It's awesome. Amazing. Most comprehensive e-scouting course out there. Check it out for yourself. Sign up. Use promo code PC2020. And now let's get to the show. On this episode, we talked to a guy named Orlando Childs. Orlando is a guy that recently came to hunting in a very unique way, and it's pretty interesting to hear it. He's got a lot of the same role models that I have in the hunting industry, and it's pretty cool to just kind of hear the whole thing, how it all came about, and uh, how passionate and actively involved he is in trying to get other people to hunt. Um, But with that being said, I do have to say there is explicit content within this episode. So if you have small children, easily get offended by swear words, something like that, just turn it off, please. Uh, otherwise, enjoy the show, listen, and maybe laugh a little bit. All right, so I'm sitting here, and I've got Orlando Childs on. That's your name, right? That's my name. All right. I said it right this time, so we're good. <laughs> um, or also known as Buck the Black Hunter. But um, So you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit, man? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is your boy, Buck the Black Hunter, also known as Orlando Childs. I am from Campfire Evolution. You can find me at camp underscore fire underscore evolution on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. I'm not on Facebook so much, but yes. Um, Basically, what I'm doing is I'm just trying to bring... some more knowledge about the outdoors to uh, to our communities. I live in the city, and I can see how the outdoors can really help with a lot of. I'll tell you what. If I had the outdoors when I was some of these kids' age, who aren't doing anything. Luckily, I had football, but a lot of these kids don't have anything to do after school. If I had archery at that time, I believe that if I was out there, had nothing to do, I would be in a way different place. Um, what I mean by that is, I feel like. Some of these kids are going home and focusing on these video games or they're focusing on, uh, you know, whatever clothes they got to get or whatever they have to look or whatever. Like they're, they're, they're spending their money in places that is not going to actually make them a better person. Um, so I want to just enlighten them on the beautiful healing powers 
and growing powers of hunting and out anything on the outdoors. And that doesn't have to be hunting. It can be foraging for, for uh, you know, if you're a vegan, you can start foraging for, for morels. You can have your season for that. You know, if you're, you know, if you're, whatever you do, I want to bring that knowledge to you and let you know that, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to try to fit in with the crowd. You can go grab a bow and, and, and fit in with yourself and find you. Yeah. Trying to take them on my journey. Essentially, my journey was found with hunting. It 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 helped me re break myself. And and it, you can even be fine. I mean, for, for me, I was totally fine up until I hit a rock bottom. And coming out of that rock bottom, hunting helped me come out of that rock bottom. So it's it's I want to be able to supply this tool for people to help them come out of whatever hole they may feel that they're in. And that's that's what I'm doing. Nature therapy, man. Trying. Yeah. Nature therapy, exactly. Outdoor yep. therapy. Yep. So let's let's get into that then. Now that you mentioned it, let's let's talk about where you were at, what you were doing, and then how you came about to wanna hunt. Oh yeah. So it 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 all started with um a lot of failures. So I was I was acting at the time. I had a pretty what I thought was getting to be a pretty big role. And that ended abruptly. And when that happened, it was heartbreaking. Then I started drinking, heavily drinking. And I ended up getting a DUI. And honestly, it wasn't so much that I was like an alcoholic. It was just, I just make, was making dumb choices, not thinking straight, not really committed to anything. I had nothing to really commit to. It was just kind of like I was free floating. Um, then got DUI. So I'm at home. I got kicked out of my place. I'm still drinking at this time. I'm even more in a, in a depression. So I'm drinking even more. I'm double fisting beers, double fisting blunts and burritos. <laughs> and I'm moving out. Yeah. I'm moving out of my house because I can't afford to pay. I can't afford to pay the rent. Um, I have three dogs at this time that I'm, I was at the time I was trying to start a breeding program with these dogs and I wanted to start breeding their tricolor pit bulls and, um, a buddy of mine, I was going to be working with him, breeding these dogs, helping them get to, you know, wonderful families, taking pictures of them online, making them like internet famous and then selling them. Um, that didn't work out. I had to then just say, Hey buddy, I need to give these dogs to you. Can you take care of them? Luckily he has a big kennel where he was just like, you know what? I can do it. We can take care of them. And they're still doing fine. I check up on them all the time. They're on on my Facebook and I look at him and like, Oh my God, you're getting so big. Look at you. <laughs> uh, proud parent. But, um, I had to give that up. I had to move out. I lost all of my clients. I was a personal trainer at the time. I lost all of my clients. I was in a depression. I was super depressed and I had nothing to do. I had nowhere to go. Well, I had my parents house to go, but I had no direction is what I meant. I have nowhere to like focus my time and my power and my, like my drive. I, I'm a guy who needs to be active. If I'm not active, I'm getting into trouble. So not having an outlet really put me in a curious place. I might even say, I said that right, but in an ugly place to where I was looking for, looking for therapy in, in dangerous ways by, by going to pool halls and drinking. Like that's stupid. Drinking and driving is stupid, period. No matter if you had, no, no matter if I only had two beers. And that's honestly all I really had. I had two beers. I played two rounds. It was a day before my birthday. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go play some pool and like go have some beers. And that's, that's what I did. And I got a DUI for it. And then that sent me into this whole just depression. I'm sitting at home, packing my bags, I'm listening to rap music on YouTube, playing throughout the house, getting ready to go. Then randomly, I hear some random music. Randy Newberg. Comes hey, on. folks. <laughs> hey, folks. Randy Newberg here. And I'm here in <laughs> Southeast Alaska with my buddy Bart May. And we're chasing black bears. And that big old smile on his face, man. And, um, and yeah, it, that I, I literally... Remember probably walking into because I had a kitchen, walking to the living room where it was playing. I sat down. And I'm like, "What the fuck? How did this come on?" And I'm like, he's talking about shooting black bears, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, "Okay, let me let me just check this guy out. Let me see what he's about. This looks pretty cool. He's not, you know, he's not like any other hunting show I've ever seen. So I'll give him a shot. He looks pretty cool." 
seen him, watched the video. I couldn't stop watching his videos. I sat there and watched all of season two. I think it was season two that that was on. I watched all of it and was just like, oh, yeah, this is something that I got to do. So I went the next day, got a bow from Bass Pro Shop, and I've been shooting ever since. And it's it's been my focus, my outlet kind of ever since. I've been driven. At first, I had no clue where to even start. Uh, where no clue how to even get into hunting. I would start. I tried to talk to folks, but when you're talking to people face to face, this was before I discovered groups on the internet for hunting. Before, when you start talking to people face to face, there's not a. They, they don't want to. You know, they're not gonna give you their spot. If if I I seen a guy at a gas station with the buck in his back in his in his in his trunk. You know, hey, bud, you know, where'd you get that deer? You know, oh, up, up there in the mountains there, yep. you know, it's, you got to find them, you know, you got to hunt them. And it's kind of like, all right. And it's a little discouraging when you don't have someone teaching you, like, what to do. You don't have someone telling you how, how, how to do this. And it's, it's discouraging. So what I did, I just started diving into Randy a little bit more and just focusing on what he did and just really breaking down his episodes and he always talked about the wind he always talked about e-scouting he always talked about being prepared he always talked about being physically fit he always talked about like just being patient and he admitted his mistakes and through time it built enough confidence for me to actually go on a hunt and my first hunt was is probably what everybody's first hunt should be it was a private private property hunt where you just kind of get your rocks off and, he, you know, you, you kind of just you get you get to kind of hunt. It wasn't my style of hunting. It wasn't the thrill that I was seeking. But I would highly suggest that style of hunting for any like questionable first time hunter because you can get a doe tag. They're really cheap. Thirty five bucks. You can possibly get about 70 pounds of meat. And all you got to really do is knock on doors. I mean, it's 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 simple. It's, it's not my preferred way to hunt. But that's what I ended up doing my first time going hunting. Um, I actually, Wyoming is, is such a nice place. And I don't, I don't want to, I'm sorry, Sheridan. I'm probably going to be sending a lot of people to Sheridan. And they're going to flood you, <laughs> knock on your doors. My apologies. But it's a beautiful place. They're so nice in Sheridan. I was drive. we were driving back from an unsuccessful hunt because we had no clue what we were doing. We were not playing the wind. We were not prepared. We had, we were wearing cowboy boots. I wasn't. A buddy of mine was wearing cowboy boots and jeans, and he thought, you know, hey, I wear these all the time. <laughs> They'll be fine in the mountains, and they were not. Um, we had no clue what we were doing. Unsuccessful hunt. We're driving back to our hotel rooms, and I see this guy with two monster mule deer hanging out of the back of his truck. So I say, hey, pull over right here. I want to talk to this guy. I pulled over. I talked to him. He was like, hey, bud, what zone do you have a tag for? And I showed him, he's like, hey, actually, I have a, a lease of property in that zone. Come on over. I'll get you your first muley. And I was like, oh, sweet. And then I came over, shot a muley. He's like, hey, I'll get you your first antelope, too. Got my first antelope doe. Perfect. I still had two more tags left. We ended up knocking on doors. That was sort of, the, you know, the only way to, that we knew. We, we are seeing them on everyone's property as we're driving to, to the BLM, but when we got to BLM, we had no clue where to find them. So I was like, you know what? Let's just knock on some doors, man, and let's and, and let's get your tags filled. So we started knocking on doors. This guy's taking care of his lawn, and he's like, oh, you want to shoot those goats? You eat goat? You're yes. nasty feet rats. We don't like those goats. You can go <laughs> ahead and shoot those goats all you want. And, um, they were more than happy to go shoot some of those field goats off of his property, and um, they filled the rest of their tags. I ended up not being satisfied. I ended up going back and um, actually, as soon as I got back, I said, hey, babe, I want to go back. I have two more tags. I want to go fill them, but I want to hunt. I ended up going back to some BLM in the same area and I hunted my little butt off and I came back with a mule deer doe and um, I shot her right at sun sundown. It was getting ready to go be sundown. She was just coming up off a of private and I was like, perfect. <laughs> this is it. Everything aligned. The sun was getting ready to go down. She was just peeking herself. She just, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Took the shot. She was down, came home with some more meat. And um, yeah, ever since then, I've, I've been addicted to 
the stress of the hunt and the preparation of the hunt and just so focused on my next hunt that I, and it's, it could be an obsession, but I'm so focused on my next hunt. I'm doing so many things to just be ready to, to go hunting. I'm, I'm like my, my work schedule. I'm working like crazy because I need extra money to not only pay for bills, to not only pay for make my wife happy, to not only pay for my savings for my baby, to not only pay for like the car that I'm building, to not only pay for just like vacation time, but to also go hunting. And I'm working my ass off. I was working. We were putting in, when I was working for ECI, Environmental Consultants, Inc., we were putting in 105-hour weeks. 80-hour weeks, 90-hour weeks on a regular basis. So we were grinding hard. We were doing I, – I, what ECI did was we did a lot of um, a woodwork, wood management deep in the mountains. So we couldn't be near home. So we would have to either camp or get hotels. I would normally camp, and we would have an office at our hotel. We'd be in that office all night doing shit. But anyway, I'm digressing. So I was working my <laughs> ass off. To, to, to be able to, to do this, especially this year is a really big year for me because I saved up so much money for this and it's happening. I had to work a little bit more doing some DoorDash and, and, and you know, doing some little side jobs here and there to, to make the gas happen. But I, I, I found, I find that if I didn't have hunting, I don't know where I would be dedicating this extra time to. I'd probably just be drinking my ass off, hanging out with people that I shouldn't be hanging out with, not being helpful, not being thoughtful. Yeah, I'm having a beer right now, but this is kind of like, you know, me and my old lady's kind of day off. She decided to take a day off and we're just hanging out and decided to, you know, have some beers and, and yeah. hang out with babe. But, no, but, you know, for the most part. It's a healthy addiction, you know? It's, it's a, well, it's, yeah, it's a healthy addiction. You're right. Big time. If, if if the way I look at it is is most of the time you you focus all this energy all this different time you know you, you even sacrifice time with your family but at the end of it it's therapy for you so you can dedicate the rest of your time to focus on being a better husband a better father while you are there because you know you want to you want to make things right so you can run off and go do those things at the same time that's that's right. definitely important um, so There's let's kind of talk compromise with the <laughs> when it comes to because of this hunting thing. I'm definitely compromising a whole lot more. Um, yeah, but yeah, it happens. <laughs> it's worth it though, man. It's, it's worth, worth it. It is. It is. So let's talk a little bit about. So that was your first hunt ever. You went out to Wyoming and just did all that. No, my first hunt ever was a turkey. I shot a turkey. With my bow. It was random. It wasn't really a hunt. That's what I mean. It's, it wasn't really a hunt. I had my bow. I was I was doing some work in the mountains. I had my bow with me. It was I had a turkey tag. Uh, you just gotta get an upland game bird tag in California. And um, I'm driving, and I see a turkey cross the street, and I'm like, oh, there's a turkey. Oh shit, I got my bow. Oh, I got broadheads. Oh shit, <laughs> let me go see if I can go shoot this bird. So it was so trippy because. The bird didn't care that I was there. I spotted and stalked the turkey. That's basically how I got my first turkey. I walked up on it. It went behind a tree. I bounced from tree to tree. And then by the time it saw me, it was too close. And I was at full draw. And I just stuck it. And um, that was like my first hunt. But it wasn't really a hunt because I was wearing jeans and a polo. Yeah. So it... <laughs> I didn't really, it's just like, I just shot a bird kind of thing. You know what I mean? But yeah, I guess I hunted a little bit, but the, I, I, the, the bird must've just been like, didn't give a fuck of that. I was there just like, he, he must've saw that I wasn't wearing any camo and was just like, who's this loser coming down here? Like checking me out. Like, what is this tourist doing? Getting out of his car, looking at me. That's kind of what I look like. Look like a freaking, oh my God, a turkey. Let me go look at him. Take pictures of my <laughs> phone, bro. And um, nah, I had a pointy stick and I put it in him. And um, yeah, I, I cooked him slow and had him with tacos. Nice, nice. So <laughs> after that, I mean, your next hunt was the Wyoming one or did you next do some? Was Wyoming hunt. Yeah. So how'd the you talk? You just straight up talked to your buddies and hey man, let's go. And then you did a little bit of they research or what? Me, actually. They invited okay. me 
I had no clue where they were going or what. I was just invited. So I didn't have I didn't have an option on where to I, I didn't know about do any e-scouting or or any planning or anything like that. I thought they did all of that. They did not do any of that. They did <laughs> not do anything except expect to just go there and shoot something. Um that's, yeah. That's kind of so how I, uh, <laughs> my first hunt was. I mean, we did a little bit of e-scouting. We talked to some people that uh my my cousin knew that lived in the area whole type of thing like that you know and we looked at our go hunt but at the time they didn't have those really cool three-day maps that they got now that they just got out so everything yeah. we looked at we're like oh yeah it looks like a good hunt area what are the draw you know all that kind of stuff but we did not do research we did not e-scout we did not really even know our species i mean we're like yeah an elk okay it's kind of like a deer, except it uh, it grazes. You know, we didn't know, and it was <laughs> it was it was bad, man. It was discouraging. I've learned a lot since then. No joke. I've interviewed some awesome people on this podcast, talked to them, learned so much from them. Started taking a few uh, like the Tree Line Academy course, and that's amazing. Totally blew my mind with the with the e scouting. And so what does that what does that do? Does that teach you like uh like tree species and how to No, so Mark Livesey uh has a tree line academy he calls it and it's tree line pursuits is his other company. He's got the llamas, he rents them out and stuff and takes them takes them hunting with him. Um but basically it goes over every aspect of e-scouting over pretty much every platform that's available out there. Gaia it goes over Onyx. It talks about um, I all all of them, all the all the things, and then uh, how to use uh, at Google Earth, and then you know terrain features, how to identify them, pick them out, plan your hunt to where, dude, you <laughs> I wouldn't have been lost. You guys wouldn't have been lost if you would have had a hunt plan, had a backup for that hunt plan, had five yeah. locations within your hunt area that you could hunt all from your base camp. You know, it's just so well, many yeah. things that like you don't think about, you don't know. And you hear Randy and Randy talks and he does like his module cause, um, you know, like you were talking about Randy Newberg and how he influenced you so much. And that's pretty much, that's what inspired me to go, man. I started nice. watching one of my buddies, the same thing. It's like, Randy Newberg is the relatable uncle. Yeah. Everybody's got an uncle or just like somebody in the family or something that he seems like he could just fit into your family and be that uncle. Right. You know? yeah. He's, he's just got that like easygoing, outgoing personality and just, you know, Oh, well, that's all right. Well, I'll get on. Gosh, darn it. I'm going to notch <laughs> my tag anyway, you know? And <laughs> yeah. Man. It's uh, so I, I tell everyone I'm like, you haven't seen Randy Newberg? He's kind of like the Mr. Rogers of hunting. Yeah. And that's what I tell people, man, is he's like, you know, he, everyone likes him. I can't, I, I don't play, I've never played Randy Newberg for somebody and then be like, this is stupid. Don't want to turn this off. Like each time I've turned on Randy Newberg, everyone's intrigued. Everyone's just sitting down like, oh shit, it's about to kill that elk, dude. Oh fuck! What's about to happen, bro? Like <laughs> shit on the couch. Like, oh shit, dude! Oh, that's fucking crazy, bro. This 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 man just almost killed an elk. And I'm talking about hanging out with my boys that don't don't hunt. They don't do anything outdoor related, really. And um, I played it one day, and they were just like, "Fuck, bro, that's crazy." Oh fuck! What's he about to do? Oh fuck, bro! Oh shit, bro! Oh fuck! Oh shit! He he! Oh he got! Oh he got it! It's dead! Like all these emotions came out, and they were just like, like it's just so cute to like watch him and be like, what's he about to do with that? How's he gonna cut that up, bro? Like what's he about to? Like what is he gonna do? Does he eat this shit? Like just (laughs) talking to, and that's every city person's. Not every city person's, but most people that I bump into. That I talk to, they don't actually think that I'm eating the meat. That's one of the questions is what is he going to do with all that? Like, is he going to eat that? Is he going to like give it away? Like, what is like, what do you do with that? And, um, I've, I've had the pleasure of actually giving them some of my antelope meat and making them some tacos with some of my antelope meat and they loved it. So, uh, that was fun. But yeah, I, I definitely, another thing I want to do with campfire, man, is I want to change the, 
the the way that California looks at hunters. I, I don't know if I want to go political, but I do want to <laughs> change. I do want to like make an influence, if you will, and like change the perspective of what a California like a, what California sees as a hunter. I feel like a lot of the stuff that I the negative stuff that I get is from people who are disconnected with nature and the way food is processed. Uh, but that's like ninety-seven percent of Americans these days. I mean yeah. it it truly is. And that's I mean, just like but the foraging thing. It's like you can normalize fake boobs or you can normalize twerking <laughs> or you can normalize shooting guns in a video game. If you normalize it, it becomes normal. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying I'm trying to normalize it so that people don't give me a second look like when I'm when, when I'm walking around in my camo and my Badlands outfit and I'm walking around with my bow like you should where's your bow? That that's that's what you should be asking yourself. <laughs> oh shit, why aren't I shooting? That's what I want to change California. I want California to be a hunt state. There's a lot of opportunity out here, not just for big game. You got plenty of ducks. I was just talking shit about shooting ducks. <laughs> There's plenty of waterfowl out here. There's plenty of upland game, plenty of birds, plenty plenty of stuff for you to do to get outdoors. And the fact that more people aren't doing it is kind of like why? Why aren't you? Um and you know what? I, I I might have answered my question earlier. It's a little bit hard to to get started. There's nowhere to start. But that's what I want to do. I want to I want to be able to I want to be that person that somebody can watch and see my struggles, see my ups, my downs. I want to be like the black Randy Newberg, basically. I I want to, and I'm I'm working on. It. I got I'm, the show. I've got Campfire Revolution episode season one coming out after this season. I'm gonna do my best to film this hunt. My experiences. I don't know how well I'm gonna do with the actual killing of the of the like the kill shot. It's gonna be really hard to a- aim the camera and lay down and, and shoot the shoot the animal. But that's what I'm working on, and I want to make it so that people people see what I'm doing. People see my my struggles. They see they see like how I'm improving. They they see what I'm doing. I'm a I'm actually gonna be doing sign language the whole time. So I, and I'm gonna do a voiceover because I want the people who are deaf to be able to see what I'm doing, and I want like them to be connected. I mean, I want to bring everyone in here. There's a huge deaf community in California, especially in the Bay Area, and I want to bring everybody in here because everybody should be hunting. And um and yeah, that's that's what that's what I'm doing. And I want to be that guy that gives them the information. I want to be that guy. Maybe they can't connect with Randy Newberg. Maybe Randy Newberg's too old or too whack or he's not hip enough or whatever these young kids are saying nowadays. <laughs> um, um, and I want to be that connection because I, I think I can. I think my personality, the way, well, the way I am, the way, the way I see life, how I can connect with kids. I, I used to be, I used to work with kids at, at, at high schools and, and, um, and elementary schools, uh, children under the spectrum of autism. So my communication skills, as far as dealing with teenagers and kids and people who are struggling with, uh, ADHD and under the spectrum of autism is, I would say pretty on point. I, I can communicate with someone who's going through some traumatic shit. And I have, I've, really good job uh calming these kids down when i'm in the classroom setting but i want to do it on a platform setting i want to i want to do it on a major scale and not really have any restrictions because you can't really talk about hunting in in a school uh in california it's kind of as you've found out right yeah (laughs) kind of (laughs) yeah yeah i got fired or removed from a site because i was uh vividly disgusting hunting to a student um, and I was talking to him, I'll, you know, it could be his outlet and, um, they, they didn't like that very much. And I was talking about how I was going on a hunt and, um, yeah, I got asked to not return to that school district anymore. So that's terrible, man. It, it led me to a better place. It, well, it's not, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's disgusting that it, if your viewpoint doesn't align with the, their viewpoint. You know what I mean? If your viewpoint doesn't align with theirs, it's a problem. Yeah. But but if their viewpoint doesn't align with you, they don't care. Right. You know, that's just it, it's such a double standard on so many things in life these days. The person who had the problem was and I'm not picking on all vegans, but the person who had a problem was a vegan. A vegan wow. lady in the office 
I don't remember her name. I would bust her out, but I'm not, I, I honestly would say I probably don't think there's any vegans that listen to this show. So, but well, <laughs> and if there is, hey man, that's cool. I'm not knocking it, but I will say I don't understand it because um, I even listened to a great episode the other day of a podcast, and it was um, a person that was vegan that turned hunter. They first started working on farms and things like that, and then they eventually decided, well, the next the next obvious step here is these people are caring for their animals. I want to take my own meat. So then they just evolved into that hunter. And I think th- that's amazing. And this person actually, I, I believe she lived in California. She was a, uh, like a huge activist in PETA, like worked for PETA, I believe. And just one day it all clicked and she's like, wait a minute, you know, this doesn't seem that bad. If I can eat an egg that this lady rescued these chickens and she's trying to ma- earn money for rescuing these chickens, why can't I, uh, why can't I eat meat if I can eat these eggs? If I can justify that, maybe I can justify the others. So that's when she started seeing the connection with all these small farms and how they raise their animals. And pretty, pretty amazing story, really. I mean, to, to listen to, and hopefully if, if, if everybody could go about it in a manner in a manner that somehow is relatable without being too graphic at first or something like that to where, to where you can introduce it to them or just that little spark, that ember that ignites that fire. That's well, the thing about, I, I don't think that that's possible because <laughs> hunting is, it's a bloody thing. No matter what you're, I mean, fishing, fishing is probably the easiest introduction to hunting because there's not a huge connection to fish. But even when you shoot a turkey, you gotta, you're not, your turkey's not from the store. It's not already naked. You gotta, you gotta pluck them. You gotta get those guts out. They're not ready like they're ready for you on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, no. I mean, you're getting bloody. And maybe, maybe, maybe turkey is the right way to go about starting your, your, your hunting because it'll show you how you feel about it a little bit. I cried on every animal. I haven't cried. I've cried my first turkey. I haven't cried since, since, but every big game animal, I usually shed a tear. I usually cry. I can tell you right now when I get my redemption buck from Wyoming, I'm going to cry my ass off when I get, (laughs) if I get an elk, uh, this year, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a very, it's my favorite animal in the whole wide world. It's going to be a very emotional time for me to get my favorite animal. It's going to be like. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be like freaking Christmas, man. Like, dude, and to me, an elk is like, like getting that, getting that game, getting that famous rookie card in that deck when you're a kid, getting that, like getting that toy you've always wanted for Christmas, like getting that, getting what, that's what it is for me. And I have never, I haven't had that feeling. I haven't had this feeling that I'm feeling right now, this excitement, this giddy, since I was maybe like eight or nine years old for Christmas. It, I, I haven't had. You, usually for my birthday, I buy my shit, I buy what I want, <laughs> mine, whatever, I got it. But this is like an anticipation that I've never felt before, that I've never even realized can be in an adult male's life, and. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm I'm I got I got so many emotions. Like I I can't promise you my my pants won't point when I when I when I kill that elk. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what's gonna happen. But so, it's gonna be a lot of emotions. Um, when you when you're going elk, are you going solo? I'm going with my buddy. It's on his property, so I'll be with him. I'm 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 pretty sure I'm not gonna be solo because he has an elk picked out for himself that he probably doesn't want me to shoot. So um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be with him because <laughs> he has a really nice, big monster, like a seven by six walking around on his property. He's sending pictures of it, and he's looking really nice. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure I'll be with him hanging out in his blind, um, hunting over water. That's basically what he said what we're going to do is just chill, hunt over water, walk around in the afternoon, walk to another watering hole, hunt that water. And um, it's too early to to hunt the rut, so we're just gonna try to hunt over water and um, see what happens. Hopefully, I can uh, put a pointy stick in one. So let's talk a little bit 
um, we kind of talked earlier and the whole thing about it's hard. You know, a lot of people, you lose people. They say the biggest thing is um, not recruitment of new hunters, but actually retention. They end up finding out that it's hard. They're unsuccessful. They ended up not, um, you know, having, taking an animal, harvesting an animal. And then they're like, oh man, you know, it's hard to find places to hunt. I don't know what to do, where to go. So kind of what did you do other than just watching Randy Newberg? I mean, at some point you had to figure out some stuff a little bit more and kind of go with it. It was honestly, nope. It was all Randy Newberg. Um, I listened to him. He said on one of his episodes, he said to look for a spot that is hard to access, but also surrounding private and pick zones that people don't want to hunt because of the private. So I picked a zone in Wyoming that has a ton of private and I picked a core I, I cut it into quarters and I picked one quarter and I broke down each quarter <clears throat> and I said okay each day each I had I had seven days to hunt I said okay I'm gonna go to this quarter I'm gonna check out these spots and if I don't see anything I'm gonna move luckily it was my second quarter that I found and I was like holy smokes I broke it down this is where I want to hunt. So I got on Facebook and I started asking people about that area. Everyone said it's too much private. They hate hunting it. They don't like it. Then I actually met a guy who was like, hey, buddy, that area you're talking about, I hunt it too. We should hunt together. I'm like, totally, totally fine. Let's do it. So we hit that spot. All the spots that I had circled that Randy had suggested were hitters. I'm going exactly to that same spot and I'm not doing anything different. I'm going to that same place because it's 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 so it's in the middle of the zone. There's so much public around it that's bigger. This has a lot of private around it. It's like these little blotches that you have to hunt. But when I went, I seen so many big bucks that I would mount any on any tag. It was just like heaven. Granted, I didn't shoot one because a fucked up story. <laughs> uh, so, oh, fucked up story. Okay, so it's redemption year, so I'm going back to Wyoming to redeem this. But when I first got to Wyoming, uh, I don't know who took my rifles out of the car, but my wife or my buddy did, and um, he set them down behind his truck. Then he decided to move his truck. Well, he didn't move my rifles. So my rifles broke because of his truck. <laughs> so I ended up having to use a 18-something Remington pump action 30-odd-6. And I had no clue how to use it. Never shot it before. Never did anything with it before. And, um, yeah, I had problems with that gun. I I didn't know the gun. I didn't know what I was doing. I I had three opportunities to shoot the biggest buck that I've ever seen, the same buck that I've ever seen three separate times. He was just a monster, and I uh, I, I I I didn't make it happen. I fucked up every each time. I I didn't cock it forward enough. Each time, one time I left the safety on and was jiggling with it, and it was making all <laughs> the noise. And I had to like, I didn't know what was going on, so I emptied out the clip and I repacked it and I closed it back up. And it was just like, it was just like, fuck, dude, rookie after rookie after rookie mistake. You Three know that times. that's actually even even if it wasn't your gun, for a new hunter, even if you've shot guns before, just. That that anticipation, that excitement when you get on that animal, especially like a first animal or something like that. I've even talked to people on this podcast before and they've said, I short cycled the bolt. I didn't even know that was a thing until I did it. They actually didn't cycle the bolt all the way, so it wasn't locked down. And it so the firing pin didn't even hit the <laughs> he pulled the trigger and it still went off, but the firing pin didn't even hit the primer. Just just things like that that you don't think of, oh, but in that geez. heat of that moment, your adrenaline's going. And uh I mean, so that's one of those things that you just you don't think of until it happens. Now your story's a little bit different, but same thing. <laughs> even if you would have shot that gun before, 
it still could have happened, man. Especially yeah. a big a big buck, you know. Dude. And then and then like the other the other aspect of that is just I mean, I've recently learned just even shooting your bow under duress is super important. Getting that heart rate elevated mm-hmm. and shooting your bow. Dan Staten <laughs> showed us. Uh, I I was at a at a camp and they and they had us do a bunch of split lunges and then drag another person down. And by the time you did that, your heart rate was up and you're trying to settle that pin. And no matter what you do, you, you can't settle that pin. You're just floating, 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 floating. It never settles in and you go and you just shoot anyway. And every, every (laughs) single person shot was off. I'm not talking like, you know, two, three inches. It was like six inches, 10 inches, I mean, it was high left, whatever. It seemed like most of the people were left. They they were right-handed shooters, so they were high left. I don't know if that would be different, but just the simple fact of pointing something out like that. Now imagine your first big bugling bull elk just coming in, screaming right in your face, and it's a seven-yard chip (laughs) shot, and you mess it up, you know? I mean, that would suck. So that's like uh, one of my new focuses for when I shoot my bow is trying to get that heart rate up first. So I, I tried, I did, I tried to do that and my mentor kind of slapped my wrist and said, don't do that. He said, don't do that because you're not supposed to practice poor practice, do your cardio. And then when you relax, shoot your bow. Cause at the end of the day, when you're out there, yeah, it's a different kind of, it's a different kind of heart rate it's a it's more of like your blood spikes rather than your muscles are sore um i i i stopped doing the whole working out crazy and then shooting i was doing that because i thought it would help the old cameron haynes run lift shoot style but honestly (laughs) really just fucked up my shots just like you said but it wasn't trying to tire myself and shoot poorly i want to shoot better and better once i stopped doing that and i started just shooting really tiny working out, I would do my workouts. Actually, I would shoot in the morning, then I would do my workouts, and then I would shoot sporadically throughout the day, but like one, two, three arrows out the day. I improved a lot. I I, I, I feel you about the, the, the heart rate because that's going to be a factor, but I don't think there's a way to mimic that kind of pressure. <laughs> like, it's hard to mimic that kind of pressure, man. But yeah, so <clears throat> Cameron Haynes is a beast. <laughs> I, I, he's a monster. I don't know wh- what he does, but I'm not trying to be Cameron Haynes. Well, that's like a David Goggins, man. Same thing. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that either. I'm not trying. To, <laughs> I have no desire to run that much or to, you know, in some ways, I, I personally think that some of that stuff is extremely hard on your body. And I think that there's a way to be healthy, but not like, like that. That's a lot. That's a lot of health. (laughs) That's a lot of health. And I, I ain't that healthy. (laughs) I'll never be that healthy. Even if I tried, Uh, I'll tell you though, I might reach into that cookie jar. Like he does a couple of times, try and pull myself through something, but I I don't know if I could ever have the toughness that those, both of those dudes have. I'm never going to run the grand Canyon in the same day. (laughs) That's never happening. I would run the Grand Canyon. I would I would do that, but it would I don't twice. Know if I, would. <laughs> I mean, I would run it twice in a week, maybe, but twice I mean, in the same morning and then go home and shoot your bow. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, if I had the money <clears throat> and I had like and I, I could afford to spend spend my time like training like that, then yeah, I could I can probably do that. But I don't have the convenience yet to like I don't I don't know which training schedule, but any job that I ever had is not gonna let me run ten miles on my lunch break. Unfortunately, it's not that they're not yeah. I would love to do that. I used to fight. I used to compete in, in the cage. I used to fight MMA. So like training like that isn't is it's not out of outside of what I would would, would be doing if I wasn't if I if I was fighting. So, but it's it's really hard to have that kind of lifestyle and be a parent and have a job. For me, it's really difficult. Um, something's gonna give, and if you don't have like a cool like I, I don't have a nine to five job. I have a 
using my all my jobs are 12 hour shifts, 15 hour shift kind of jobs. So with that said, I don't have a lot of time off. When I have time off, you have a wife, you got to figure out some time with her. You have a baby, you got to prioritize time with the baby and then everything else falls in afterwards. So it's probably, you know, I'm, I don't know if Cameron Haynes has kids, but if he does, they're probably older and they are. probably yeah. have to worry about, you know, you know, changing diapers and making sure the baby goes to sleep on time. But, um, but yeah, maybe when I'm his age and my, and my daughter grows up, I can see myself doing something like that. Just kind of pushing myself to the edge. Cause, cause I do, I do enjoy, I do enjoy trying to be the best at something. Um, and that's kind of why I shoot my bow constantly is because I don't, when I see that bull, when I see that buck, when I see that turkey, that grouse, whatever is in my, in my, in my crosshairs, I want to always be able to put the arrow where the pin is and make a clean shot each and every time. And I, as, as I was just saying, I used to do the flip the tires, kettlebells, Tabata workouts, burpees, do some sprints and then go shoot the bow and then go do it all over again. But um, I've I feel like I feel like I've improved as a bowman by not combining those two, and like right now, like I said, I feel like I feel as, as like I feel so zen about my bow. I feel so peaceful about my bow. I feel so like I don't worry about it. I just pull it back, and the pin just goes where I put it. I can set back at a hundred yards and put it right in the middle. Just because I have that much confidence in my bow, I'm that relaxed with it, and you know I'm talking all this shit, and I could fuck up opening morning <laughs> and completely shoot right over, but you know I feel I feel good. I'm looking at her right now. I keep looking up, like oh there she is. I love you so much. So what's uh, the bow behind you then? This oh my first bow. This is my first bow. Hold on. <laughs> So uh, this is my first bow. Uh, it's a PSE. It had 50 pounds on it. And, um, yeah, this is the first bow I picked up because of Randy Newberg, actually. This is it. This is the bow that I got because of Randy. And um, since I got it, I gave it to my old lady. And she put the pink stuff on it. And um, I shoot it every once in a while because you can change the setting and the poundage really easy. And I shoot it, and it's fun. Um, and I ended up this bow. This is my Bear Marshall. Um, this is still a really good bow. I still really like shooting this bow. It's really fun. Um, I do a lot of blind bell shooting with this bow. It's because it's easier to practice my shot. You know, it's close your eyes, get real close to the target, pull through. It's just like my practice bow kind of thing. I did uh, a lot mobile. of that last year. I, oh, I yeah. fought some serious target panic and I changed everything up. I changed it up from my, you know, and the whole problem was, is I just had a crappy release and I didn't even realize it when I bought it and first started shooting it. But once I started getting anxious on my shots, that's when it really amplified the fact that it was just a crappy release and had a, a, a just a super long travel in the trigger. So uh -huh. I changed it up from a trigger release to a thumb release. <laughs> and uh, welcome to the dark side. my and, friend. and everybody's like, that's stupid. Why would you do that? Just get a different. And, and I'm like, no, man, I need to completely cleanse myself and start over. And so they're like, yeah, but you're just going to do the same thing with that. And that's a horrible idea. You need to address the problem. And I'm like, listen, everybody deals with their problem differently this is how I'm going to do it. And so I went and bought a new target because I only had 3D targets. I went and bought a new bag target. I hung it in the basement and I stood there at like two yards and just kept closing my eyes, drawing back, just focusing on that until I got that down pat. You know, tighten my shoulders a little bit and pop, there it goes. And it just goes off on its own, man. And kept doing that, doing that, doing that. And then I'm like, okay, let's do uh, 10 yards in the basement do 10 yards, but still focus the same thing. I'd even close my eyes on the drawback and everything and then open them and let that pin settle. And I did that. And I mean, I'd put the kids to bed and I'd spend probably an hour or two hours in the basement every night, just doing that, doing that, doing it. And I only had like three weeks before my season, my deer season started. And I'm like, I am not going to let this screw me up. 
Nice. We were talking about so much stuff. Um, success man. rates. I think we were talking about success rates and uh, the retention of hunters and hunters getting frustrated because they don't yeah. know what to do. They don't know yeah. where to go. They don't know how to plan things. This year, I have a plan A, a, a plan A1, all the way down to plan D. I have a plan D, A, B, C. I have a plan D, one to two to three to four, and it just keeps going on from there. And um, each plan has four different plans that I'm gonna do. And um, I don't, I don't see myself getting past plan plan A. Honestly, plan A is uh, get to this one spot, set up camp, uh, hike in until you can't. Well, I'm a, I have my e-bike, so I'm e-biking. Then I'm hiking until because it's a spot that you can't use your e-bike, and I'm a glass. And I'm going to see something or I'm not. Then I'm going to do that for three days and then move to another spot. Do that for a couple of days and then move to another spot. And then kind of bounce back between spots in that one plan A. And then if plan A doesn't work out, I'll pack up my camp and go to plan B. And then plan B, I have four different spots in plan B that I'm going to hit up and see what happens. And I'm going to just eliminate my process, process of elimination from there. And um, at the end, I'll probably go back to plan A. And, and check that out just to be sure that there's nothing there but you know that's kind of what as a as a hunter who 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 wants to be successful and if you only have five days to do it you, you have to have multiple plans because your plan might not they might not be where they're at they might just be hanging out on the other side of the mountain for five days and you just missed them so you got to be able to plan around your around your plans so one thing that I'm doing is I'm setting up a base camp closer to my vehicle. And then I'm going to set up spike camps when I go up. So I'm, I have my base camp. I'll have that set up where close my close to my vehicle. And I'll start hunting in. And I'll probably start at my plan my plan A4. This is my, my fourth plan of, of my plan A. And because you have to get through all those other plans to see your plan four. So I'm going to go through all those other plans, one, two, and three, to get to four, hunt that area, and kind of hunt on my way back. If I see something that goes to bed, I'm going to set up a spike camp, wait the next morning, and then try to hunt them in the morning. That's, basic, that's my basic plan, is to just hunt in from four, because I, I know what's at one. I mean, I know what's at one A. I know what's at one B. I don't know what's at one C and what's at one D. So when I when I when I'm doing this, I'm gonna be glassing these whole areas until I get to my four, hunting that area, coming in, because well, let me explain my season. So when I get to, (laughs) I have a cow elk tag. I'm really there for deer, for bucks. So when I'm saying I'm gonna be passing my plan A, my plan B, my plan C, that's more of my bucks. I want I was told that the elk hang out over by my plan D. So I'm going to hunt my plan D, but really I'm looking, I'm scouting for deer while I'm hunting elk. I, I don't, honestly, I don't really care if I shoot a cow elk in, in Wyoming. Um, I'm praying to God that I already have an, a bull elk in my freezer. So I'm, it's, it, it's, it's more for me to go scout for my buck tag and just be out there with the tag. And if I see a cow, great. But the most, the, the reason I am there is for my buck tag. Um, I just don't want to be out there not have a cow tag and then see a cow and then be like, fuck, I should have got a cow tag. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I got a cow tag. But, um, the season doesn't start until October 1st. I'll be getting there around September 25th. It gives me about five days or six days to hunt cow elk or really scout for deer. Um, so I'm going to be doing that, checking out all my plan a, B's and C's and fours and fives and sixes and whatever. And, um, and yeah, and that's uh, like the whole time I'm, I'm set, I'm setting out all this time to hunt cows and then hunt bucks. But the whole time I'm hunting cows, I'm really hunting my bucks. I'm really looking for where, what they're doing. Um, who's, uh, you know, what other hunters are watching these bucks? Uh, I'm looking for pressure. I'm looking for their their habits. Are they staging right now, or are they still in bachelors in, in bachelor groups? How's the weather? How's the weather going to be in October October first versus you know September twentieth, where it can just change in Wyoming over overnight? 
Like I'm looking at all these different aspects because to be successful, you kind of have to, you know, and maybe hunting isn't for everybody. And I say that because I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with failing. I don't want to fail. I don't want to lose. So when I, when I eat a tag, I get more hungry the next year to go back and fill that tag. Not everybody's like that. That's not for everybody. But I, I, I'm, I feel like people who do push to put themselves in these situations where they do have to struggle and they don't get what they wanted out of that struggle. I feel like it makes them a better person. Even if they never come back and buy a tag ever again, I feel like that struggle, that process that you went through of working hard, sweating, being cold, freezing, uh, being tired, being sore, uh, camping and being out in nature, having that process and then coming home empty handed. I think it does things to your brain. That's like, it's refreshing. I think that struggle is kind of like, I think more people need that struggle, especially nowadays. People are so detached. <laughs> struggle. I feel like that, that kind of struggle is, is what's needed. And for me, it just made me more crazy about going hunting. It just made me want to I just, in my body, I'm like, nope, I'm never going to lose again. I'm going to go out there. I'm never going to have an excuse to be, to be this or to be that. I'm not going to have like, I, I, again, even when I went out the last year, I went hunting in Wyoming. I wasn't prepared. I didn't have enough water. I didn't have enough clothes. I didn't have the right kind of clothes. I overlayered when I went hunting. So by the time I got to the top of the mountain, I was sweating and it was freezing cold outside. So now I'm freezing cold and I can't hunt as long. I didn't have like the right food. I was eating pop tarts and top ramen. Like it was just horrible. And I'm never going to do that again. That last year taught me so much. That's awesome that you said that. So let's Let's talk about what you learned from that, from your food and, and how you're going about it different this year. Right. So my food, I'm, I'm going all out. I, I got a camp chef that I'm bringing uh, a three burner um, with a skillet and I got freeze dried food and I'm bringing a shit ton of water. So much water <laughs> that you, I'll be able like, I'll be bringing home crates of water hopefully because you never want to not have enough water because you need water for food. You need water for dishes. You need water to wash your clothes. You need water for literally everything. This year, luckily, I'm working, I'm, I, I'm working with Peak 2, Peak Refuel, um, and they're going to be helping out with a lot of my meals. Um, and I'm going to be doing a lot of veggie, veggie and steaks uh, over the fire and over, over the grill. And... Um, yeah, that's basically what I'm gonna be doing. It's I'm eating, I'm not eating like most hunters would be eating. I'm gonna be eating like I need to fuel my body for tomorrow's hunt. <laughs> I'm gonna be eating um a, a, these uh, bars. Uh, I talked to um, uh, Brian Call and uh, and Ryan Lampers, and I'm I got mm-hmm. these recipes for these bars that I'm gonna be making, protein packed, full of energy. Yep. Uh, I got these, the peak two refuels have a lot of protein in them. Um, I'm going to be obviously making some trips into the city and, and buying, you know, some steaks, some eggs. I'm, I mean, I'm camping out in Wyoming. I'll be camping out from um, late September till October 10th. So I'll be there for about three, two weeks, two and a half weeks. Uh, so I'm going to want to be comfortable. Um, so I'm, 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 and I'm hunting hard in these places. So my, 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 my style is, when I'm at base camp, have have a big meal, eat healthy, probably have like a small breakfast, snack, lunch, big dinner, and call that good. The days that I set up spike camps are going to be my peak refuel days where I'm going to just have two or three, probably two peak refuels in my, excuse me, in my bag and um, pack a bunch of water and call it good. And if I set up a spike camp, I'm good. I'll have my burner, boil some water, set it up my peak too. My peak refuel, mix it up, let it sit for ten minutes, and it's freaking amazing. Um, so, yeah. So I, I actually started making my own uh, dehydrated meals. So, pretty cool. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, but so you, you don't you don't filter any water or anything when you're out there. There's you no don't... water. There's no water around. If it snows, then you can do the whole snow thing. But there's not a lot of there's the water. The water that you can't well, you can't access it because it's on private. So the stream oh. that there is, it's on private. 
So that's why I hunt right off that private because they they feed over there, but then they bed on the public. So there's this transition period where they're kind of staging around, they're playing around. They might be like the one time I had a shot, they were about a hundred yards from private on on the public and they had just got done watering and they were playing and frolicking and the, some bucks were sparring and there was just this one buck in the middle that just knew he was the cock of the walk. And um, that was the first time I saw him. And, and yeah, so I, I was pretty convinced that this area was a good area because that's why I seen every single time, even when I was in a different spot, I would see deer coming from private to public. And unfortunately there's no water there. There's, there's, it, there's not, I mean, yeah, there's no water. That makes it tough. I can do the snow thing. I was thinking about, you know, maybe I can do the snow and, and melt snow down. But then when you actually do that, you don't get a lot of water out of this. That, and then you got to, <laughs> yeah. what is it, like uh, a half inch of water makes, or what is it, a half inch of water makes like an, a foot of snow or an inch of water makes a foot of snow or something like that. So you'd be melting a lot of yeah. crazy, crazy amounts. So think, then you got to pack in a ton of fuel to melt all that too yeah so. yeah uh well i do have i have where i'm camping is going to be pretty easy for me to access anything i need so i i i can drive in my my truck to this area and unload my i have a generator that i'm gonna be using to to charge all my on my cameras because I, I need to have my cameras charged that's one thing that i'm freaking out is like how am i going to get all these hunts filmed how am i going to have battery charges i don't want to sit there and wear out my car and keep using my car to charge all my shit um on my truck to charge all my shit so i got a generator uh, i got a um a chef a camp chef with a gas burner and uh, i'm gonna be unloading on my water and um it's kind of like it's kind of my plan and it's to just kind of just pack everything i need in be as comfortable as possible be as like be able to stay there as long as possible because i think that's what i think that's what drives people away is they don't plan for like the worst i i have i have plans for like the 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 coldest weather and i have plans for the hottest weather i have plans for if it rains what am i going to do if it if it's hot as hell, what am I gonna do? Like I got contingency plans under contingency plans on top of contingency plans because that's the psychopath I've become after failing uh, in in hunting. And um, that's perfect, man. That's what you want to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's getting it's getting kind of late. I'm gonna I'm gonna say we've gone down some rabbit holes, man. It was good yeah. talking to you though, dude. I, why don't Why don't you tell people? uh where they can find you before before we leave sweet man so i'm orlando childs also known as buck the black hunter you can find me at camp underscore fire underscore evolution uh on instagram facebook and tiktok basically twitter anything all my all social media um not so much on facebook because i I don't even check my facebook anymore but hit me up on instagram (laughs) and uh, i'll i'll respond uh I'll respond to you if you hit me up. But yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. I had a lot of fun. Um, I got to go in and finish having some, you know, some fun times with my wife. We're watching Yellowstone. We've been we've been hanging out all day watching Yellowstone, and we've uh, been trying to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it gets tough. We put the kids to bed, and unless I'm doing a podcast, we pretty much crash. But yeah, you know how that goes. I know how that goes. Man. T- times it by three or t- by two. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, they say you're not actually you don't actually have kids until you have more than one. That's what they keep. Oh, telling. I'll tell you what we we had one and we're like, oh, this is easy. Let's have two. Then he had two, and it's like this is terrible. Three is not terrible, but it is a whole different ball game. And I'm almost wondering. I'm almost to the point where I'm like, eh, what would four do? Would that be like, would, would four be like the limit to where you're like, no way, man, this is even crazier? Or would it be like, well, you already got three. This is crazy. What's one more? Well, man, <laughs> <I> wanna... <laughs> just keep having fun trying, man. That's what it's about. Oh, I don't <laughs> know, how, man. That's all you got to do. No, I think, I think we're done. Wherever, wherever it's going to go. <laughs> So if you're good, if you're bound to have four kids, you're you're gonna have four kids, man. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it's been awesome talking to you. I appreciate awesome. you coming on, sharing everything, yeah. sharing your story, man. Um, thank you so much. Peace.
Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.